If you do any prospecting with LinkedIn, you have got to go get set up with Surf. That's S-U-R-F-E. It's a tool you can use to add new contacts to your CRM system directly from LinkedIn in seconds. I'm using it every single day. I add contacts, follow my deals, keep track of notes, and it ends up saving me a bunch of time on prospecting and outreach, which means I can spend more time moving my deals along. The data is always 100% accurate since I don't have to copy and paste all the fields over from each and every contact that I want to put in my CRM. Instead, Surf does that all automatically with just one click in about 60 seconds. The team over at Surf has put together a very special offer for fans of sales players. There's a link down in the show notes and you can use the promo code JWSURF5. Don't forget the E at the end of Surf. That's JWSURF5 for 5% off your first year. Don't spend another minute doing things manually. Go get set up with Surf. Hello, everyone. I'm very excited to welcome back today's guest, Brandon Fluharty. Brandon is a VP of Strategic Account Solutions at LivePerson, and he's one of my favorite thought leaders in the SaaS selling space today. A few reasons for that. One, he's the real deal. He's had multiple years now where he's cleared over seven figures in earnings in SaaS, and he does so without buying into the very common hustle culture that you see in tech sales. And today he's coming on the show to talk about an ebook that he's putting out next month. It's called Seven Steps to Seven Figures. It's incredible. I've actually already got my hands on it in preparation for today's episode. Brandon was kind enough to give me a pre-release version of the book. I dove right into it. And today's episode is going to be focused on some of the questions I had and some of his thoughts on the different steps to getting to seven figures in SaaS sales. So without further ado, welcome back, Brandon. Hey, Jesse. Great to be back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited. Yours was probably, I think you're in the top three down, most downloaded episodes of my show. So whenever I have a data point like that, it's obvious that, you know, we need to make this somewhat of a recurring thing. <laughs> and since I'm such a huge fan of what you post on LinkedIn and some of the other content you put out there, I just felt like it was time to have you back. And I'm super glad that you had the time to come back and, and share some wisdom with us. Yeah. Super appreciative. Um, um, thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, tell, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to in the last few months and uh, you know what, what's on the roadmap, perhaps. Maybe that'll get us excited about some things that are on the horizon. Yeah. So the, the, the way I'm looking at the world is uh, I've really enjoyed a career in sales uh, almost 20 years. And uh, it's coming to a new chapter for me where I am leaving an individual contributor role and being an active seller to actually helping mentor and guide and, and, and help coach others to, to do, uh, you know, the same, uh, which is really effectively consistently perform at an elite level. And for me, that's not so much about selling. It, yeah. It's more about, you know, how you apply your focus and, and find more meaning in what you do, um, really chasing a personal why. And uh, so, yeah, I've launched my first ebook, uh, Seven Steps to Seven Figures. So yeah. I rewound back three years ago and really deconstructed what, what steps I took to my journey of, of earning seven figures for the first time. 
And then, um, you know, I kind of end the ebook with, well, it's not just about getting to the seven figure earners club. It's about staying there. And how do you do that? Um, and that's where I really dive into this concept of operating at an elite level consistently um, and, and developing, developing this concept of a personal operating system. Yeah. And disclaimer to everybody out there. So the, the book is not released just yet, the ebook. And uh, Brandon was kind enough to share uh, an initial version of it with me to, to get my thoughts on it. And of course, to have uh, you know some, some framework by which we were going to do this show today. And so far, uh, I'm about halfway through it. I'm all, I haven't finished it just yet, but what I have read so far has been very impressive. And you know, from my perspective, I've read a lot of sales books. I talk a lot about all kinds of different sales books uh, on the show. And, you know, this is one of the most, I would say, actionable resources that I've seen. And it's short. It's really short. And I am someone who appreciates brevity because I'd rather just get to the heart of the, the matter and not go, you know, in deep, in depth with a bunch of fluff or anything like that. And I'm not calling anyone else's work out there fluff per se, but business books can, can, you know, for the most part, drone on a little bit about some things and, and have, you know, pages to fill as, as opposed to, you know, results to deliver. And I think the, the way you approach this is super interesting. It's an ebook. And again, it's, it's super short. It's less than hundred pages and everything is really packed with a lot of like actionable ideas. And there's, you know, I don't want to call it homework. There's something at the end of every section that you need to go do. Uh, to take action around the, the content in the book. So I, I think it was really well put together. And uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll probably focus a lot of the show today on some of the insights that I'm pulling from, from this book, Seven Steps to Seven Figures. So where I want to start is what I think is probably, I'm guessing one of the biggest factors in actually achieving seven figures in SaaS sales, and that is getting to the right environment. And yep. you obviously go into much more detail in the book but what are some things that listeners can start doing today to one, you know, sort of check themselves to make sure that they are in an environment where that's possible. And then if they're not in that environment, how do they get there? Yeah. Um, you, it was one of the best compliments for, for the book, because it literally, I tried to take out all, all the fluff and, and make it super actionable. So it really is, is like a workbook. And that first step is, is a really important one. Because if you, you know, aspire to earn seven figures a year, um, obviously you need to create a path that's that's realistic to to get there. And so, like the first thing I propose in the ebook is just doing solving a math equation. Just yeah. literally, I supply a spreadsheet in there. But even if you just craft this on your own, um, you know, the 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 idea is if your target earnings are say a million dollars a year you know, start with the base, right? So that covers a, a portion and then a, you know, layer on your comp plan, layer on, you know, any additional bonuses or, or payouts. And so just solve that simple math equation and, and yeah. work backwards from there. And, and so then you'll see very clearly once you layer on your own data and the best mm -hmm. thing to do is just look your previous year's performance, what is your closing ratio? Um, that gap that you're trying to solve for is, uh, hey, you know, if I satisfy, you know, X X number um, towards seven figures through my base salary and maybe some RSUs, right. um, you know, what what is my gap? And if that gap is so big and your comp plan isn't realistic because 
your closing ratio is off or you're just not closing the, the right type and size of deals, mm-hmm. um, then you know, that's when you need to question, well, what are the levers that I can pull for myself? Um, what skill set do I need to apply? Where, um, you know, what support do I need uh, to, to close the type of deals that, that I, I want to make? Um, so that's sort of the first step is just use the data, be objective. Yeah. It's not emotional. That'll give you a clear roadmap. Can I do this or, or can't I? And then if you come to a point where you're saying to yourself, you know, just this environment just can't support earning seven figures um, or culturally, maybe it's not the right fit for me. Then, um, then you need to come up with a list for yourself. Um, and I call it the Goldilocks environment that you're looking for. And that's going to be a very personal thing. I think you just have to take some time to sit down and ask yourself, what are the important levers, um, not only financially, but what's the criteria culturally that you're looking for? And some of the things for me is you know, my old environment. I was in a late stage startup. I was an mm-hmm. enterprise seller, comfortable yeah. six-figure earner. But, you know, I, I couldn't make that leap there. And so some of the things for me was I wanted to be in an industry that's going to impact people's lives for decades to come. I think that's really important. Um, yeah. It was an environment that's big, but not too big. I needed the support from legal team and, and, and solutions consulting and so forth to make sure that I could land really big deals um, before in an environment where you know, enterprise deals were selling the future that wasn't possible. But in, in, you know, at live person over the past four years, we had, you know, enterprise were our core customer and, um, and, and we had the, uh, equity there to, to show, Hey, we, we work with some of the, the the world's largest brands. So those were some of the the thought process and, and sort of mental modeling frameworks I was using to say, Hey, is this the right environment or, or isn't it? So here's, here's one. And, you know, I, I've heard this before and, and you likely have too. someone's going to come and say, well, well, hold on. I've been in my role for four five, six months. And Brandon's telling me to go change jobs and uh, be a job hopper and, you know, be part of that statistic and churn out and, and, you know, is loyalty dead at this point? Shouldn't I stay here and pay my dues for five years or four years or whatever it is, or vest all my options at this company and then work my way up to, to what Brandon's doing. What do you say to someone who says that? Is it, you know, worth the risk to, if you're not in the right place, but you're really driven to get to that seven figure milestone, is it worth the risk to make the change? Even if you've only been somewhere for a few months. Um, obviously, that is very situational, and sure. my my advice would be just like earning money through investments and say the stock market is it, it really does pay to have a long term view. Um, so treat your professional your, your personal brand, which is your professional brand, and you know y- your family and your income as a business. Um, so you got to be CEO, and you got to make the rights decisions. And, um, and, and if you're investing, you know, you got to be in it for the long haul. So I would, again, use a mental yeah. model and kind of triage, hey, am I in a bad situation? Or am right. I in a situation that just requires more time? And if you're not getting the support, or you're in a toxic environment, yeah, those are signs, those are red flags to maybe look elsewhere and jump ship. And we're in a 
employees market right now. So things are going to work in your favor. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're still in a position where you're earning, um, well, and, and you just need the, the time of the runway, then stick with it. Or you're in an environment where you're learning a lot and you're gaining skills and you're an amazing team working for a great manager. Those are pluses. Um, then question, well, um, how fast can I realistically, how long is it going to take me to get to seven figures? Um, maybe that's not the end all be all. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Like my perspective is it is it's situational and I like that you use the, you're the CEO of your career and your territory and everything else. You know, you're the CEO of your situation. And you also, I think it's really important for any professional, not just sales, any professional to sort of begin with the end in mind. I know I'm quoting Stephen Covey, uh, beginning with the end in mind. So if, if your goal is to make seven figures and retire by the time you're in your what early Mm forties, then you do need to kind of back into that goal and, you know, assess where you currently are in terms of years of experience and age and, you know, current savings and investments and those kind of things. You really need to almost put together a plan and say, what would it take? And does that, you know, does the risk of staying put in a a job to your point that I'm not growing or it's a toxic Mm -hmm. situation, Mm -hmm. or it just isn't going to yield the opportunities that I need to, to have in order to get to this, uh, you know, goal by this age, then you got to assess that. And I think, it's easier to take the risk once you have it all documented like that and, and analyzed like that. You'll, you'll be able to assess the risk a lot easier and it won't really feel like a risk. So if you're in an environment where you're four or five, six months in, but you know you've got these hard and fast goals you want to hit and you have you know the end in mind, I think it'll be pretty yeah. easy to, to make that decision and not really have any regret about it or concern that it'll come back to bite you in the ass at some point. That's right. That's right. And a mental model I use there is just manage your temper and- Temper is, is it's an acronym, but it stands for time, energy, motivation, priorities, and right focus. So um, it does take some reflection, t- takes some deep work, and this is really good stuff to do early in the year, like in January, to say, okay, where where do I want to spend my time on high value, high leverage activities? Is this environment support being able to do that? My energy, do I have enough energy to bring my plan to life? You know, what is my motivation? What is my why? What, what am I trying to, where do I want to be at the end of next year, this year, in three years and so forth? You know, are my priorities um, feeding into you know, what motivates me in work and life? And finally, you know, applying the right focus. I've got to focus on those high value activities if, if this is my, my goal. So yeah. temper, yeah. I, I believe in, in frameworks, not necessarily prescriptive playbooks, even though I talk about the seven steps, I'm very clear in the ebook that, you know, this is a personal journey. So you may need to, these are the seven steps I took, but you might want to go about these seven steps in in your own unique way. Um, But having these mental models, having these frameworks to help you make decisions every day, some of those decisions are going to be big. Some of those decisions are going to be small, but you need to have a personal operating system to say, here are my principles. Here's like what I'm going after this year. Here's my theme. And, and here's, you know, the important projects or accounts that I'm going to go after that uh, align with my temper, my, uh, where I want to spend my right. time, energy, motivation, priorities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask you? So many questions. <laughs> uh, 
one of the things that really stood out to me was, and it was a little bit of a reality check, which I think you were talking about your first seven figure W2. And part of that was because you had closed a big deal at the end of the prior year. And that paid out in like a January, February timeframe. So that sort of contributed to your overall earnings in a year. And yeah. I think I, I had experienced something similar. And I think it's an important lesson for sellers out there that it, you have to, you have to build that momentum first. I, I think the, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm guessing that the odds of like coming into a new role and in year one, delivering a seven figure, you know, maybe, maybe it's an eight figure quota or something to get to a seven figure W2 yeah. is probably not very realistic. So I think the lesson there was, you know, there, there is a little bit of a commitment and a time, you got to put the time into it and, yeah. you know, you have to sort of build the momentum because it may not happen inside of 12 months, but I guess any other thoughts you have on, how, you know, how to create rolling pipeline or how to sort of create yeah. that rolling momentum. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a super important point that you, you outlined there because when I earned seven figures for the first time, obviously that was a culmination of like 15 plus years of work being in sales, but very specifically when I knew I was in the right environment, I knew this was a seven figure earning role. It took me the first full year, 2018, I started at Live Person January 2018, didn't close my first two deals until December of that year. So it, yeah. it took me that long just because of the nature of enterprise sales cycles. And that's relatively fast to, to, to sur even surpass your quota in right. the first year. Um, and that took me literally getting the ball running before I even joined the company. So literally my first day was um, selling to, to, to someone, um, that ended up buying in December. Um, and if I didn't sort of build that momentum and if I didn't use the first year of 2018 to sort of set myself up for 2019, the payout was, was important. Closing in December is a great thing because yeah. you're, you're already setting yourself up in January when those commission checks come in. Then it's like, again, when you try to solve your math equation to getting to seven figures, you might already be a few hundred thousand dollars there, right? 30, yeah. 40% of it might already be covered. And so, yeah, you've got to build your foundation first, just like running a marathon. You just can't do 26 miles without getting mm -hmm. hurt, right? So you've got to put in the training and that's got to be a systemized approach. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so once once you're in the right environment, to get the deal sizes that can yield commission checks that are large enough to, to get you to a seven figure annual. Then you have a section about being strategic on how you pick what you call diamond accounts. Mm -hmm. And I'd love it if you could just summarize for us uh, how you go about, you've, you've got a whole framework here. And again, you know, there's a yeah. lot more meat in the ebook in how, on how to you know, go in and in your situation, pick what is a diamond account to you, but maybe give us some of the highlights. Yeah. So I was handed a territory, obviously, you know, when you're an enterprise and strategic sales, it's, it, it's very targeted. You probably know which customers, you, you know, fit into your, your wheelhouse offering. So it's very vertical specific. It's very account-based specific. So I had a list of 50 accounts. So did other uh, sellers who were, were, were joining the company and we had very specific accounts that I, I appreciated. They were all names that we would all recognize. 
Um, but I wanted to go a level deeper and not just accept because it's on my list that they were all sort of qualified accounts, at least for me. And so I applied a filter. I created this Venn diagram of five criteria that I could apply a filter on against my account list. And I wanted those criteria to be something that's important to me. Yeah. Uh, like for instance, you know, they can move fast and they um, have an impact on the world or it's like a cool brand. Um, it is something I have industry knowledge on. And so I had this, this five criteria that I could apply a filter. And what ended up happening is I moved some really, really big account names off my list, like hmm. Walmart, the world's largest company, yeah. Apple, um, because it didn't fit into the criteria of, of knowing it can move fast because I knew, okay, I, I don't have in my network the ability or it's going to take months and months and months to get C-level sort of engagement and, and, and buy-in. And that was sort of a blueprint right. that I found from some of these deals that I closed that getting that executive um, you know, uh, alignment very quickly was important. So I was able to move those off my list and um, you know, I didn't get bogged down in, in the, the, the lure of, of it being Apple or Walmart, right, right. which could have taken some folks down a, a rabbit hole and you're 12 months into an engagement and they, they want to just start with a $100,000, $200,000 pilot and you've just mm -hmm. burned so much time and energy being on planes, talking with mid-level type of executives who aren't thinking strategically. Yeah. That's super interesting to think about. Cause I think the, the inclination is always like, Ooh, I got Walmart, uh, or yeah. you know, I have an opportunity to work Apple and right. you know, who knows, maybe one day I close right. a, a 10 figure deal with, with Apple, you know, people yeah. have done it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the exercise is really interesting, which is again, if you're going to bring your a game and you're going to bring the passion to what you're doing. And that's, you know, from reading the, the ebook is pretty critical to, uh, to, to having this kind of success in SaaS. You really want to focus on accounts that, you know, you know, you can add value to, but also meet, yeah. you know, some of these other criteria. And yeah, the Venn diagram is super interesting. And I know there was a, it was a Japanese word that sort of yeah. uh, represents all the different aspects of life, like what you're good yeah. at and what adds yeah. value to others. And I thought that was super interesting uh, to, to then compare to kind of picking accounts, which a lot of people might think is just sort of a whatever yeah. exercise. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just pick the top, you know, the, the, the five biggest e-commerce brands in the world. And that's my accounts. And I don't really put a lot of other thought into it, yeah. but here is sort of a model to really ask yourself some questions and, you know, again, find that Venn diagram that has all of the ideal aspects of what would make a great customer for your company. So I think it's a really cool exercise. It was super timely for me too, because I mentioned off air, I just started in a new role and I'm picking my ideal accounts. And it was very, very helpful to have, you know, more than just, oh, you know, so-and-so worked that one in the past and they didn't close. And it's like, okay, right. cool. Um, but I'm not that person. And, you know, I might bring something else. Maybe I'm a customer to that brand. You talk a lot about that in the book that you were a, a Delta customer, yep. Uh, yep. if I remember right. And, you know, that, that, that led you to be able to dig deeper into some of the, the pain points that they might have because you had an actual customer perspective to what they were missing, right? And yep. so those are the kind of, you know, criteria that you need to be thinking about. And I think the framework was just super awesome to see. Yeah, yeah. And you... You bring up a, a good point too. A couple of things that I want to touch on, which is again for me, I was charged for net new logo acquisition, and so it was critical for me to think about 
a year time frame and what could I realistically close in that time frame? And I wanted to take, hey, if my average was say 11 months sales cycle, can I dwindle that down to, to nine months? Versus, yeah, Apple might be, if I were to close it and then stay in it, yeah, I might take a three-year view on that and say, okay, absolutely, I would love to work with Apple. It does yeah. fit other criteria where I know a lot about it because, right. listen, I've probably spent, other than Delta, I've probably spent more with Apple than any other brand on planet Earth. So, yeah, I, wanna, I want to help shape what, what that experience could look like. Um, but I know in the first year, probably not going to close the, the, the largest deal that, that I wanted to, to close to make the type of income that I wanted. So that was like really important. And then um, I think you bring up another point that I think kind of talks about another step is kind of building this transformation mindset. And the, you know, we both benefit from being in the B to B to C space. So we're selling to business to consumer brands um, and that is especially attractive because it's so easy to understand what the customer experience is like for those yep. brands, what it's yeah. like to be a customer of Walmart or Apple or, or Delta Airlines. And so you can, uh, you, you can relate, right? Because you've maybe experienced some of the pains of being a customer, being on hold, mm -hmm. having to go to Twitter and search for answers or not getting the answers that you want or having a clunky e-commerce experience, how can your solution come in and, and change some of that? So you can bring uh, additional commercial insights by being their, their customer. So bringing and applying design thinking, like you said, work backwards and mm -hmm. apply a, a thought process to, if we were designing the ultimate customer experience from our company's point of view, what would that look like? And so now I'm bringing real value. It's, it's incumbent upon me to share that knowledge with everybody. And obviously the, the way to get movement in that organization is I've got to align with the right stakeholders who can mobilize the change there. So it becomes more of an exciting pursuit in a game because once mm -hmm. you have these diamond accounts and your SDRs are helping to open doors with them, then becomes really exciting. That's where the yeah, art, yeah. you've used science, you know, to create your account list. Now you apply art on how you deliver those commercial insights. You can be creative in breaking through with these accounts and show them interesting things that they should know that they don't know. Yeah. And that's not selling. That is, is guiding and consulting. You, you really become a Sherpa helping them mm -hmm. to climb Mount Everest. One of the things you said on the last episode we did that I, it's burned into my brain and I've, I've repeated it a few times on the show and I've said it to some other people in my network is that we as sellers are really content creators also. And I think this especially resonates in 2022, you know, like content sort of eating the world. There's all these different social platforms. There's LinkedIn and Twitter and TikTok and, you know, everything else. And so many people are going to get value from, from that content and things like that. So I, I've really definitely shaped my prospecting approach after hearing that statement. You know, we as sellers are really content creators. And I think it ties into what you're saying that as a consultant, you know, being able to also put out content. And in, in your case, content was like writing a letter to Delta, uh, yeah. a personalized letter to the Delta executives pointing out, uh, you know, some valuable insights into their business. So I think it's it's super important. And, you know, I know it's also emphasized in the book, but just one of the coolest quotes that I've heard and definitely something that I took to heart. 
Yeah, and it's 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 really important that that we think of ourselves as content creators because you know going back to the concept where we're CEOs of our life, mm-hmm. um, we we need to be you know marketers of of what we're offering and what we're selling. And to me, it's not just pushing products and pushing um, the the marketing material that's created by our company. We have to apply our own personal lens of hey, here's what it's been like to be uh, on, an, on an airline and here are some of the pains that I've experienced, but here's what utopia could, could look like. And I just so happen to know how to bridge that gap being one of your top customers and working with you know, one of the, the top companies that can make those changes um, because we've already done it with, with others right. in or out of your industry. That's a story that's worth telling. Take you know, the, the top three or five things that you're hearing from your customers and then put out content like on mm-hmm. LinkedIn every few days. And then you can sort of one that's going to sharpen your own when you are in front of a, a prospect, it's going to help you to tell your story better uh, in a more coherent fashion because you've been a, a content creator. And two, it, you start bringing opportunities to you rather than you chasing them because you've put out an article, you've put out a thought leadership right. piece where you're talking about solving a problem every single day. Yeah, I think that's, and it, it was maybe you or someone else posted about how, you know, posting content and creating content really helps with, you know, essentially inbound. Like you're going to start yes. getting people that reach out to you. Yep. Uh, it's getting much more difficult. It's much more saturated in, in the, you know, marketplace today. You know, when I started my career, it was pretty much a numbers game. You know, the, the number of phone calls you make, the number of outbound emails you send could yield, you know, some metric. And I don't know if that's always the case today, especially in the more competitive, yeah. uh, you know, software companies where there's tons of noise, there's tons of uh, different solutions out there. It's, I think what really is going to set apart reps in the future, uh, the good ones from the great ones is just that it's the content, it's the consultative approach and, you know, the brand and, and building you know, right. a brand as a thought leader. So I think it's, it's super cool. And, you know, of course, if there's anyone out there listening, that's not following Brandon already, uh, you know, you'll learn a thing or two just by seeing the, the, you know, the volume of content that you put out there, but the quality of it, it's not just about the, the quantity, it's the quality of it as well. Uh, so it's definitely something I appreciate a lot about, about what you're putting out there. Yeah, it's it 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 is really important. Uh, you know, the game, like you said, you know, when we came into sales, it 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 was the pure numbers game, and obviously numbers still apply here. But uh, you know, really reaching the seven figure earners club, it's it's a quality game, not a quantity game. At that point, you're in really high closing ratios because you're going deep on fewer accounts. And you're unlocking things that require true relationship with with an executive, you know, stakeholder who can mobilize the change. It's not about being their best friend. Um, it's it's more about bringing them value and showing yeah. them value. And that takes deep work. That takes data. That it takes time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, when I earned six, excuse me, seven figures for the first time, it was six accounts. Um, or six deals, I should say, across five accounts. And that's not a lot, right? Right. So, um, you know, but it can be a lot and overwhelming when you're flying on a plane and, and these days remote um, and, and managing everything that goes into those, you know, six opportunities where really you're going to need like seven or eight, uh, you know, accounts that you're sort of really going deep on. 
um, at a given time. So you've got to yeah. really manage that effectively, but it's, it's going to be the, the quality once you're in there, not, not the quantity. Yeah. Totally random question. Not, not necessarily related to the ebook. Uh, but how, how does someone like you, so I'll step back here and say, you know, it's, it's early 2022, uh, at the time of this recording and, you know, there's some FUD out there in just like the macro, you know, there's, there's stock markets going, yeah. you know, up and down, or it's not crazy volatile, but there's a lot of, I think, apprehension and there's some bearishness, if you will. Uh, how does someone like you think about, you know, your, your future? Because I, I could hear, and I'm playing devil's advocate. I could hear some doubter yeah. saying, well, you know, lucky Brandon, he's had a couple of good years of, of seven figure earnings. We've had a decent economy where, uh, you know, large enterprises are spending money on software and transformation and those kind of things. What happens yeah. if there's a, you know, what, what happens if everything shits the bed, uh, like right. it did in 2008, what's Brandon yeah. going to do. Right. And, and, right. you know, I know you're the kind of guy I'm, I'm joking by the way, but I know you're the kind of guy yeah, yeah. that you got that first seven figure check and you went out and bought a couple of Lambos. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I, and anyone who follows Brandon knows that, you know, you you invest and and you encourage, uh, you know, thoughtful, uh, you know, investments and, and, and savings of, of commission checks and not, you know, the Lambos or the YOLO on, on meme stocks or something like that. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm curious cause, cause I think you're, you're probably someone who's certainly calculated risks and, and you've thought about, you know, what would happen if, 2022, 2023, whenever is sure. the year where things go back to, you know, how they've been in the past, you know, the early 2000s yeah. or 2008. How do you yeah. think about, you know, the risk and the longevity of the, you know, selling to big brands? Yeah. Well, we experienced one of those black swan events in 2020. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, I was coming off my biggest year in 2019 and had the, you know, going into the year, had the biggest quota of, of anybody in, in the organization. And it was, it was very ambitious. And just because the pandemic hit and I was focused on new business with a depleted pipeline and closed my last deal, luckily again, December, but it was literally at the final hour, December 31st. So that put me in a good spot coming into right. 2020, three months later, complete chaos. I mean, I had pros- prospect executives furloughed um, new logo acquisition, like, bam, their new business was not anything that anybody wanted to talk about. I mean, there was a mandate for many enterprises, Hey, no new initiatives. We just yep. can't do it. It's too uncertain for us. And so, yeah, it was a very quiet period, but I, I stayed calm. I, I was able to go back to, okay, what's my theme for the year? What's my, what are my principles? Mm-hmm. So when I go back to like the basics, um, that allows me to navigate the choppy waters with more of a, a, a calm point of view and perspective on the world. Um, then I could just focus on, okay, what are my actions? What can I control? What can I control? I'm going to control these things. So I'm just going to keep focusing on the inputs and you know the natural outputs will take care of themselves. Um, so that's one piece. And then the second piece you, you brought up as well is yeah, don't inflate your lifestyle. Um, you, you're you're going <laughs> to yeah. get caught with your pants down when when things take a turn because you're still essentially living paycheck to paycheck. Those paychecks just right. might be two, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars at a time. But if you're if you're uh, you know spending that money because you've overinvested in the the multi million dollar luxury home or right. you know you've got a few cars in the in the driveway that you know you don't necessarily need. 
yeah, it's, it's, it's going to hurt when, when you get pinched by, by things out of your control, like a market, like a pandemic. So yeah, just, just yeah. be careful with that. Like just, I, I really believe in stoic philosophy, control, Love it. control and, and, and just, you know, just try to live a good life, but be comfortable with what you you've gotten, be grateful for it versus constantly seeking what, what you want um, and, and aspiring to keep up with the Joneses. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and, you know, I asked you the question, but I'll share sort of my two cents. Uh, I started my career in 2008. So it, it was a you know weird time to be trying to find a job when there was this yeah. you know, global recession going on. And then of course, 2020, uh, I was, I'll call myself very fortunate that I was at a company that, uh, you know, had a product that people needed during, you know, work from home transitions and things like that. I think, you know, many of us in SaaS or cloud computing can, can kind of say that, that, Hey, you know, I was at a company that suddenly our, our demand or our stock went way up because we were, uh, you know, a solution for that big, massive challenge and the logistical challenge of moving people to a remote, uh, remote or, or yeah, remote work from home environment. But the way that I think about it, and I try not to spend too much time with the like, what could or, you know, what ifs, I I really do try to focus on being optimistic or stoic. I really like stoic philosophy also. Um, But I also, um, I'm confident in, you know, the, when you, when you build some of the skill sets, especially some of the ones that you're talking about here in your book, uh, which are building, you know, sort of a a framework for excellence, or I'm trying to remember how you word it. Uh, you know, you, you sort of build yourself a, a policy of being the best or, or excellence or delivering, delivering excellence. And then also sort of doubling down on things that might be your weaknesses and yeah. positioning those things as positives. I think if you're doing those things, and then that's all in addition to just yeah. learning the art of negotiation and sales, yeah. that no matter what, you're going to be able to figure out how to pivot or transition into something else should, you know, someday there be this major meltdown and cloud computing goes away. By the way, everyone, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I think cloud computing is only accelerating. That's why I made this podcast because I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for people out there uh, who want to get into this profession. Uh, so I, you know, I'm very optimistic and bullish on the future of SaaS. But you know, should something change in the world at some point, I, I think the skills the skills that you you develop while working in this industry and the you know everything from again from negotiation to working with people to creating content and you know yeah. delivering value and trading and bartering and all those things, I think ultimately you know anyone could probably figure out how to pivot. And I think that there will always be a place where large companies need to solve big problems and, yeah. you know, budgets might get cut here and there, but ultimately there's still always going to be expenditures in, in large enterprises and small enterprises, by the way, uh, people, businesses are always going to spend money on, you know, tools and solutions and to fix problems. And I think there's always going to be a market for people that are sharp, that are self-aware and can come in and, you know, help those large companies solve those problems. And I think there's always going to be a good amount of money in that too, regardless of, you know, economic conditions. So I know that was kind of a curveball question, but I just thought, you know, Brandon's probably got a really interesting perspective on, you know, the, the FUD out there. And I say FUD, if, if anyone yeah. isn't familiar with that fear, uncertainty, doubt, you know, if you read the news, the stock market's not looking great and the country's this and that. And, you know, I just find myself having to tune out a lot of that stuff and just, you know, again, kind of stay in my lane, focus on what I can control. I think you said that earlier, focus on what you can control and, you know, just be optimistic that you're building a skill set and qualities that are going to aid you in any transitions or pivots in the future. Absolutely. And in 2008, I was bankrupt. So, uh, (laughs) you know, just, yeah. So just to, to kind of show you that, yeah, you know, there, these, these big things in life can 
have a, a really direct impact on your personal life. Um, but investing in yourself is the best thing that you can do to build a, a currency that you can rely on when things get hard. How do you know you're, you know, you're not made out of gold unless you get melted a little bit? Um, how do you know that you're, you're not a shiny, a bright diamond if you know you don't get pressure put on the coal so yeah um it's it, it's it is really important to invest in yourself because then that's what builds that resilience that that's what builds the grit when when things get tough and that grit will will, will be less right than somebody who doesn't have these foundational elements that that haven't taken the time to to work and and you know develop more of a uh, I guess, an enlightened view on, on what's happening around them. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit. Uh, just, I know we are coming up at about 10 ish minutes left, uh, here, but I want to just hear some quick thoughts around how to rally others to close deals with you. I haven't yeah. actually gotten to this part in the book yet. I'm looking forward to digging into it, but I know that this is one of the most important parts about doing large scale deals. I've heard this from, you know, Jamal Reimer, who was on the show. Yeah. You've yep. talked about it in the past and my colleagues uh, in my network who have had, you know, massive W2 years always say, you are not going to close big deals in a vacuum in a silo. Uh, you do need to rally others around you. Talk to us a little bit about how someone can start doing that today. And I know it's probably not an overnight thing where suddenly the yeah. entire organization is your little army that's out trying to help you close your deals. But, you know, especially in a bigger company, uh, how can you start that exercise or that framework today? Yeah, you know, think about a director. If she were to act out every single uh, scene, right? It, yeah. it just what kind of movie would, what kind of film would be a product of that? Um, what if a quarterback, right, ran the ball every single play? You know, what what, what kind of score are you going to get at the end of the game? Could you even make the playoffs? Likely not. You'd have to be a super talented person. And, and what's real is at the highest levels, right? There is no quarterback who is uh, that good to be right. able to run the ball every single play, every single yeah. game. Um, so you have to think of yourself as an orchestrator that, that you don't, you know, one of the best things, and I, I talk about this in the, in the ebook is be a generalist with your skill set but a specialist in your outcomes. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, so true in enterprise sales and rallying others in, in the org to close with you, be the orchestrator, be the quarterback, be the director who can bring the right people at the right time. So sometimes the star might be, you know, the running back who you hand the, the, the ball off to, or, you know, throwing the, the, the ball at the right time in the, in the end zone. Uh, and it's the, the wide receiver, put your ego to the side. Um, you can't do it all yourself with these really large deals. You're, you're going to be limiting yourself when you, you try to do it yourself. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, you've, you've got to pull in the, the right people. And, and you, you also can't do that by burning bridges. Um, right. You know, sometimes the internal cell is just as important as the external cell. So you need to get folks just as excited as you're getting your prospects excited to want to come on and invest their time and energy because they're being pulled in, in a million different directions. Make their job easy. Here, here's what we're going after. Here's what I need from you. Here's why I'm pulling you in because you are the utmost expert in what you do, whether that's negotiating a contract, 
where that's talking about transformation when the customer uh, comes on board, pointing out, or whether it's a solutions expert um, in a particular product that, that you offer, bring in those folks. Um, they're, they're only going to help you not you know, steal your thunder. Um, right. And if, if you're worried about you know, your, your thunder being stolen, <laughs> you won't earn seven figures anyways. That is interesting. No, that's, yeah, it's, it's so important. And it's, it's one of those skills that they really don't teach you in most sales trainings. You don't, you don't hear about it in the early stages of a sales career. It's as you start to work with, you know, larger brands, higher level executives, you realize that, yeah, you're, you're not going to be able to do it all alone. And you absolutely need that, that help from, from the collective. Well, awesome. Um, I know we're, we're here at time. Talk to us about when we might be able to get our hand, when can my listeners get their hands on seven steps to seven figures and how can they get in touch with you if they want to connect? Yeah. So, um, brandonfluherty.com is the, the best way to get your hands on this book first. Um, and at a discount when, when the book becomes publicly available, which is targeting, we're targeting February, 2022. So here we are mid January. So in about a month, um, what we're doing is I wanted to put it out to some thought leaders, some sales leaders, get their initial feedback. And we want to enhance, take that feedback and enhance the current version of the ebook so that um, we, we pack even more value out of it, um, when it when it's available for sale. So that's what's happening right now. And uh, yeah, can't, can't wait. And for those who are signed up on brandonfluhardy.com, my newsletter, um, which also has a lot of uh, really good, good content and, and value in, in and of itself. Um, you'll be getting it first. And uh, like I said, you can get it at a discount before it goes to the general public later in February. Awesome. Well, I will post some uh, links in the show notes. Brandon, anything in closing, final thoughts uh, or anything you care to share? Yeah, this was great. Uh, I, I appreciate it. And yeah, let, let's make 2022 the, the best year of our careers. And that takes some thoughtful, deep planning and knowing kind of where we came from and knowing where we want to go. Um, you got to make it a personal journey and know your reasons why you do everything. That's going to help you to stay focused and on track to execute your plan. Brandon, always a pleasure. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Jesse. 